Welcome to the In Short Supply Podcast. I'm your host, Daniela Buda. Together, we'll hang out and discuss all of the things, but especially what we are actually in short supply of ourselves. Let's get comfy. Okay, so this feels pretty daunting, but I'm just going to start. So the first thing that I want to say is thank you for your patience. Um, I think that when it comes to putting things out there and, and trying to be consistent, there's always these roadblocks that kind of stand in, in my way. And they're literally just me. They're just me talking myself out of doing things. I put out a post a couple weeks ago about just like being in a complete rut. And I feel so much better now, but there's still like a long ways to go. And that's actually going to be, I think, the focus of you know, the next couple of episodes or maybe just another episode. Um, but I think the <laughs> the catalyst of all of this, you know, muddiness and not really feeling like I can put out anything is because of this, you know, what this episode is actually about. Um, so this does feel a little daunting and this is something that I really did not know how to approach um, until it kind of just like went into my brain and it like hatched there and this kind of only feels, this is something that feels like the right way to do it for at least myself because I mean if we're really thinking about it like I'm not anybody you know who whose opinion of this whole subject really like matters but for me it's been everything for for me idolizing this person for such a long time um this like really threw me for a loop so we're just we're just gonna get into it um this is actually going to be a true new season of in short supply meaning I, when I put out this podcast uh, in 2020, the beginning of 2020, it was like a season one and it had, you know, X amount of episodes and I've taken some time from April to now to really start to understand what it means to actually take care of myself and this actually really does feel like a fresh start or a new beginning or kind of the way that seasons change. Um, this felt right to make this season two, episode one, um, which is my breakup with Rachel Hollis. Um, so, you know, with this kind of ridiculous title, Um, There's really some truth and some merit to it. I had to do some digging over the last couple of weeks to really try to figure out who I am outside of idolizing someone. And and then with that being said, the, the second layer to that is what do I actually want this podcast or this platform to look like now that I've removed myself from someone else's shadow? So... I think the the best way to describe this new season is really going to be, you know, conversations, of course, of what we're in short supply of, but focusing on who I actually am. I feel like I've had to, like, get to know myself over the past couple of months in a brand new way. I I actually um, equated it when I was in therapy last week to I'm literally, like, dating myself. 
I'm finding out what I actually like, what I actually don't like, how I want to spend my time, who I want to read about, what I want to learn about, what I value. And it's it's been, my dad's calling me, it's been um, really eye-opening. So I think in order for this really to make sense, um, we have to go back. We have to go back a couple of years to where it all began, where this relationship with Rachel Hollis started. Um, it was about four years ago. About four years ago, um, I was browsing Audible, which is, you know, audiobooks, and this book kept popping up. And it was this woman who was next to a fire hydrant, and I knew nothing about this book. I knew nothing about Rachel Hollis. If we're being honest, I didn't see the cover very well. It was small on my phone. And I thought she was someone else. I thought she was like one of those like supporting actors in um, the movie Friends with Benefits. Or no, not Friends with Benefits. No Strings Attached. I mean, they kind of are the same movie, but whatever, the, the server in that movie. I thought it was her. So I was like, oh, I like her. I'll listen to her book. And <laughs> it was not her. But at the time, it was so much more than that. At the time, um she was exactly what I needed. And that's because I, for the, you know, this is not a secret, but I was going through such a hard time a couple of years ago. And I mean, I guess it's still a work in progress. But a couple of years ago, I was planning my wedding. And it was supposed to be this like really joyous, happy time. And at times it was and at other times it was not. And I felt myself getting very angry a lot and I found myself being really impatient and I remember actually thinking to myself at one point while I was at work like who am I like what I am not this negative angry short fused person yeah I can be impatient and yeah you know who doesn't have bad days but it was like constant where I didn't even want to be in my own company I remember I, I, I was so just like a monster that I bought my coworkers like apology gifts because I realized how just like insufferable I was being. So this book, Girl, Wash Your Face by Rachel Hollis had kind of popped into my life and I decided to listen to it. And at the time... I'm not exaggerating when I say that book changed my life. It changed my life completely because it was all about this woman who was so relatable and so approachable and she was talking about how to really live authentically and not believe the lies that we tell ourselves as women and just how to be your true best self. And that was like, it just, it lit a fire in me. When I tell you that, like, I did a full, like, change of who I was in a good way. Like, I I let go of this, like, anger and resentment and bitterness and, and just, you know, monster-like qualities. And I really dove in with both feet when it came to what she said and what she was you know, all about. And it became, she became like my idol. She became somebody who I completely just 
admired to the fullest degree. Like when I, when, when you talk about putting someone on a pedestal, I don't think her pedestal could have gotten any higher. I worshipped her and I wanted to be her. I wanted to look like her. I wanted to talk like her. I wanted to adopt every single thing that, that she was doing in her life that, that worked. I, I really dove in with both feet when I'm talking about, I paid money. I paid actual dollars of Frank and I's hard earned money. And I went to two, they were virtual because of COVID, but two virtual conferences, one that was dealing with how to have courage and one that was dealing with health, paid real dollars for those conferences. She came out with a um, QVC clothing line. You better believe I had almost every single item from that clothing line. She came out with a jewelry line with, with the company Able, who I still stand by completely. I have three of their pieces. The Start Today journals that I've talked about on this podcast forever and ever and ever. I have seven of them, eight of them I've gone through. And, you know, I was just looking before I hit record the last time I wrote in my Start Today journal, which I wrote in religiously every single day I have not touched since April 1st when all of the shit happened with her which I'll get to but that's how like (laughs) full stop I became um but we have to get there so anyway um the journals the she came out with water bottles she came out with everything I have some I have stuff in my office from her like it's it's everywhere it's everywhere which is really hard to reconcile but that's that's not the, the biggest problem that I have right now. And it wasn't just me. Like, Frank and I really valued her or her marriage with, with her then-husband, Dave Hollis. We listened to their podcast. We listened to, you know, their Instagram stories that they would come out with every day. We really adopted a lot of what they brought into their marriage into ours because we had just been married when or we were about to be married and then we we got married right around all of this time so when I tell you that we were so invested now obviously me more just because Frank is somebody who is confident in who he is he knows he's a good man he knows he's a good husband and it was more me with the anxiety and the self-doubt and the body image and, and all of these things that I think just kind of come with being a woman that made me question who I am um, and question not really I mean question who I am but also like not think I was ever good enough and and she was somebody who was in my ear telling me you are good enough and then here's my here's my marriage that's that's great and you guys should listen to us and all this advice so Frank and I were totally invested and then it all kind of started to change in the last like I don't know year and a half uh, in, I think it was May of last year, Rachel Hollis and her husband Dave put out that they were getting divorced. And when I tell you that it gutted me, when I tell you that it made me totally, totally confused, I was so angry. I was nauseous. I remember having this like physical, visceral reaction. Like, how dare they? Like, what the fuck? And I, I I just remember being like, you fooled me. You fooled me because here I am eating up every word you say 
and now you guys are getting divorced. And I would be lying if I told you that I didn't see it coming, only because I kind of did. Not in this, like, we're gonna get divorced way, but in more of a way of, like, I don't know if everything is how it seems. I would listen to their Start Today morning show every single day, and I started to notice just, like, these little, like, I don't know, these little, like, nuances of, of just the way that they interacted with each other and how it was starting to feel a little tense. But then I kind of chalked that up to, like, where we were in a pandemic, which we kind of still are, but whatever. We At the time, we were knee-deep in a pandemic. They're working side-by-side 24-7. They have four kids, like... They, of course you're going to get on each other's nerves. Like, and then I would kind of mimic that with like, okay, well, you know, Frank and I get on each other's nerves too. Like, this is what marriage is. It's not, you know, rainbows, butterflies, unicorns, and sunshine all the time. So I kind of was like, mm, something's weird, but you don't know. Well, <laughs> they got divorced and it, it, frankly, it pissed me off. But then I had that like human reaction of like, wait a second, like these are human beings too. You have no idea what goes on. You have no idea what happened. You don't know what the circumstances are. And I kind of was still supporting. I was still somebody who was team Rachel and team Dave. You know, it wasn't like I was taking sides in this divorce, but things started to just feel different. Like I wasn't buying what they were selling anymore. Um, Especially because, you know, you, you know, you spend all this time saying, hey, we do a date night once a week. Here are our non-negotiables. Here are our values as a couple. Here's this, here's this, here's this. Oh, and by the way, we're actually getting divorced. Like, it just felt icky. But again, they're human beings. They have children. I was, I was still supporting them. It just, it just started to feel different. Then I started to notice after her divorce And this is totally, you know, her prerogative, but she wasn't posting as much and she wasn't posting as candidly. So I kind of feel like she was keeping everybody at an arm's length, which 100%, you need privacy, you need time. Um, But, you know, as she was kind of emerging back into social media, she herself seemed very different. And listen, I have seen friends' parents get divorced. I've seen people I know get divorced or separated, like, but I've never personally been in those shoes. So I don't know, you know, what that does to you, like, you know, psychologically, like, I don't know what changes in your in your mind. And I can only imagine how much it affects somebody, you know, so I was kind of like, all right, you know, like, I'm gonna give her some time and and she doesn't owe anything to me. I just kind of missed having her in my life. Like I missed having her on my phone. I missed being able to like kind of feel like I was her friend. As pathetic as that sounds, I will 100% admit that like I looked to her not only as like a hero and and uh, a mentor and this person who I idolized, but like I wanted to be her friend. Like I remember telling Frank at one point, that we were going to move to Texas and I wanted to work for her company. Like that's how invested I was into this person and into everything that she did. So she started posting things over the last like five or six months that were kind of just like rubbing me the wrong way. She was like kind of acting a little bit, you know, like, holier than thou and she kind of was just like 
different. I, I don't know if I can pinpoint an exact word, but it was just different. And I, I was taking note of how it made me feel. Like, mm, I don't know if I agree with what she just said, or I don't know. Like, I don't think that's right. And it was really hard for me to reconcile that because I'm like, but you, you basically worship the ground she walks on. Like, you eat everything up that she says. Like, how do, it was hard for me to be like, well, what do you actually feel? Like, how do you actually feel? like not just mimicking what she says or what she feels. And the first time this happened was when, um, the first time it happened is when she blamed, and this was another thing, she blames everybody but herself. Like it's, it's, I'll get there. But somebody on her team, so she says, posted this quote from Maya Angelou, still I rise. Now Rachel Hollis's whole thing is like the rise conference, rise weekend, rise this, right? I have a fucking hat that says rise on it. You know what I mean? So a hat and a water bottle. So somebody on her team posted still I rise and they didn't give credit to Maya Angelou. And that, and then like people very, you know, 100% justified kind of called her out on it. And we're like, you can't plagiarize Maya Angelou. Like what? And she blamed her team. She was like, my team posted that on my behalf. Uh, That person was taken care of. Like, sorry. And it kind of just felt disingenuous. And I don't really like the the placing blame and not holding yourself accountable. You are your company. Like, even if somebody else did it, like, you don't be like, oh, no, 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 she did it, not me. It just felt icky. It happened again where there was, you know, in the summer with George Floyd and all of this, like, this just, like, garbage out in the news and a lot of people, you know, who had a platform were coming out and talking about how to be anti-racist and she had the opportunity to do that and instead she kind of just took this like I don't know halfway approach to it and it just felt wrong and again I still know that I have a lot of work to do as far as like what it truly means to be anti-racist and that's private work. Like I am doing a ton of work in that in that field, but guess what? Nobody needs to know about that because that's not something that you throw out there into the universe as this like flippant thing like, "Oh, here's a workshop I'm doing" or "Here's this book I'm reading" or "Here's this podcast I'm listening to." Like after the fact, sure, but when you're knee deep in the work, like that's private work. And and I don't think there's any right or wrong way to learn how to be a better person. However, when you are somebody who has millions of people who worship you, like you should have come out and said something. And and I think she talked about tomatoes instead. It was like talking about like you are like the the environment you grow, grow up in and this tomato was planted here so it that's how it grows up and here and it it was just kind of like what what are you saying like you have you have an opportunity here and you're blowing it so she got a lot of flack for that and at the time I was kind of like halfway in halfway out to like defending her but also kind of like well I know that I still have a lot of work to do and so I was kind of like giving her the benefit of the doubt and then Well, and then there was no turning back. So back in April, she posted this video and I'm sure you've seen it or I'm sure you've heard about it. Uh, But if you haven't, let me, let me just indulge. Um, She, somebody called her out on like TikTok or Instagram or whatever and, and said that she was privileged, 
which she is, and which, you know, to some degree, we all kind of are. Um, but that looks way different for other people. Like, me and my middle-class, white, suburban neighborhood where I grew up and I was able to go on vacations and, you know, we didn't want for anything and I never had to worry about if I was going to get a job because of the color of my skin or, or things that, like, real people have problems with, right? You just add another degree to that where she's got millions and millions of dollars, she's she's got her hand in a hundred different things and she was somebody had called her privilege and she got very offended by it which like i i think i can understand it to a certain degree but that's also your own ego like there you have to know kind of where you stand on that but whatever so she somebody called her privileged and she got, like got pissed off about it and she she was saying that like she lives the type of life that like allows her to be privileged because no one works as hard as she does. And she said that like anybody can you know work hard, but no one's going to work as hard as me. And and it's then she said this thing that really bothered me. She goes, "I have somebody who comes in. This is how it all started." She was talking about somebody who comes to clean her house. Somebody clean, comes to clean her house twice a week, which like, listen, good for you. I don't give a fuck if you have somebody who comes and cleans your house. I've had it. I've had it when I was, when I lived home, except my mom was is crazy and never liked the way that anybody cleaned except her. So that didn't work. It was very short lived. When Frank and I moved into this house, we had somebody who came every other week and we ended up letting her go because of COVID and listen, like, I, cool, you have a clean, you have a house cleaner, like, cool. So she was like, my cl- house cleaner comes twice a week. And that's when somebody called her privileged. And she referred to the person who cleans her house two times, not once, but two times as, quote, the person who cleans my toilets. Now, if you know me personally, you know that I do not stand for that shit at all. Like, that statement alone makes you sound like a friggin' idiot. Like, oh, the person who cleans my toilets. Like, who the fuck do you think you are? Like, I was raised in a way that you treat the CEO with the same respect that you treat the janitor. Um, But in this case, the CEO is acting like a fucking idiot. So I don't respect that CEO. I respect the janitor. Or in this scenario, the cleaning person. Because if I were her, I would have quit on the spot. What, like, you just, like you cut this woman off at the knees and made her sound like an idiot. You made yourself sound like an idiot and you put absolutely no value into how hard your house cleaner works. So she she referred to the person as the person who cleans my toilets twice. And then somebody had said that she was unrelatable now. Now, mind you, she sp- she's started her whole career on being relatable, on being a girl's girl, on having body positivity, on being a mom, on being a small business owner. Like, her whole thing was being relatable. And now she's kind of flipping the script and saying, well, I'm trying to live a life that makes me unrelatable. I don't want to be related to anymore. Like, I know, like, people don't wake up at 4 a.m. I do. People don't do this. I do. Like, she was listing all of the ways that she works harder and is better than other people and it really pissed me off it really actually offended me because I was like excuse me like people can wake up at 4 a.m work their 
friggin' asses off and still not have the money or the, the opportunities that you do. That has nothing to do with it. Your privilege has everything to do with it. So she really missed the mark there. And there's more to it, but like, honestly, I don't really have the brain capacity to go into the ins and outs of it. But that was where I was kind of like, wait a second. I don't think I am down with this. Like, I don't think that I can agree. Like, I so blindly agreed to everything she said all of the time that this was like one of the, the few times where I was like, mm, no, I think I'm out. I think I'm out because I don't, I don't think that this is something that ethically, morally, I can support. So that was like my kind of like where I was like, I think I need to take a break from her. So then she puts out this apology and it was bullshit. When I tell you it was complete bullshit. It was, I'm blaming everybody else but myself. I don't care what anybody says. Like I grew up poor, therefore I, I'm not privileged. And again, just like really missing the mark. And people were commenting on that post, on that, that apology post with like really thoughtful, helpful things for her to like reflect on and her or her team, whatever, they were just deleting the comments, like just deleting people who were really trying to educate and help her understand where she missed the mark. Then she completely deleted the post and then put out a new apology, which was still bullshit and blamed her team for people deleting comments. And it, it, it was just all like, really girl, like really, are you really gonna keep doing this? Then she put out this um, podcast episode, which was like 15 minutes long, and I listened to it. And I did see her on more of a human level in that way, but it almost just felt like, I don't know, is this too little too late? Like, she was talking about how embarrassed she was and how she's doing the work now and how, you know, she still has a lot to, to learn. And, and yeah, like on a human level, like, I, I get it. Like, I, I understand, like, we make mistakes. But after a certain amount of time, like this, when did, when is it not a mistake anymore? And when is it like, mm, maybe this is true colors. So I don't know. I'm, I'm having a hard time. So now I'm kind of at this, like, I need a break and maybe we're breaking up type of thing. Because at the time, I... She was exactly what I needed at the time. Think about like any relationship you've had. I, I, I want to equate it to like a high school relationship. Unless you married your high school sweetheart, then maybe use another example. You know, it's it's everything. It's all encompassing. It's your first love. It's, it's somebody who you worship. And then usually, generally, it doesn't work out. And the rug is ripped out from under you and you're like, well, now what do I do? And you like question who you are. You're nothing without them. And, and uh, you know, uh, you're left at like square one. And then you have to kind of realize like you are okay before them and you're going to be okay after them. And that's kind of where I'm at. Like I've had to like really think about who I am because for so long, for so long, I spent so much time trying to emulate her, trying to do everything she did and, and live my life like she lived her life and dress like her and talk like her and act like, I mean, not like a crazy person, but like 
you know, you are who you surround yourself with. And I, I surrounded myself with her so much that I was like her little mini me. And, and that's not even me saying that, like other people saying that too. And now I'm like, well, do I even like her? Do I even want to be like her? Like, no, I think now it's not about trying to be someone else. It's learning about who I actually am. And this is what happens when you put someone on a pedestal. When you put a human being on a pedestal, they are bound and destined to fail and disappoint you. And you have to remember that they're not gods. They're not above you. They are human beings with faults. And and that's the thing. Like, I don't think she's the devil. I don't think she's a terrible, disgusting human being. But I do think that we have grown apart. I think that we are, we're in different places now. She has a lot of work to do. And I don't really have to follow her on that journey because now I've kind of forged my own path. She is a complicated person, just like you and I are complicated people. And I hope, hope, I do, I I will be honest, I hope she can learn from this and I hope that there's like a, you know, a, a redeeming quality to come from this. But we are not gonna get back together. I can value her from afar. I can see where things go. But in this breakup, of a relationship with Rachel Hollis, I am now in a relationship with myself. And I'm not going to break up with me to get back together with her. Does that make sense? Like, I know too much now. I've learned too much about her. I've learned too much about me. I care about me more. Remember like in Sex and the City when Samantha breaks up with, what was his name? He had a cool name. I don't remember it. the young guy she breaks up with him and she says to him I love you but I love me more and I don't think that there's anything better to say like I don't want to be apologetic about it like I'm not sorry I mean I am sorry that she's turning into who she's turning into hopefully better but for now not so good I feel sorry about that but I don't feel sorry that I'm not putting up with that anymore I think toxic is toxic in, in, in different levels. And I think right now I've spent way too much time over the past couple of years um, kind of removing the toxic behaviors from my life. And she should be no exception. I shouldn't be able, I shouldn't be like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to totally ignore those red flags, but not allow other red flags in my life. That's not fair. It's not all, it, it has to be all or nothing. So right now, we're on a break, friend style. We are on a break. She needs it, and I definitely need it. I'm, I'm learning who I actually want to become without anybody else's input, without her telling me who to be. And that's like oddly liberating. I was in therapy last week, and, and my therapist was saying like, I, you know, the movie Runaway Bride, where, you know, she kind of, Julia Roberts' character just kind of becomes different versions of herself based on who she's in a relationship with. And Richard Gere oh, says to her, you don't even know how you like your eggs, right? And, and there's that scene in the movie where she's like trying all different types of eggs because she spent so much time trying to be someone else, like how she would eat their eggs, how eat her eggs, how they liked their eggs, whoever she was dating. 
And that's kind of where I'm at. I'm eating different eggs. I'm figuring out what I actually want to do. You know, I think, and I think that's where a lot of this, like, the need to constantly be productive comes from because, I mean, part of it is definitely me, but I think some part of it was always her being like, wake up at 5 a.m., make sure you do this, make sure you do that, do this, you know, kind of always be grinding and going and going and going. And I've had to be like, well, do I actually want to do that? Like, if I am sitting on the couch and I'm scrolling my phone, I'm, I always have that moment of like, well, you should be doing something else. You should be reading or you should be writing or you should be prepping for an episode or you should be doing stuff for your, for work or, you know, you should be doing something else. But what if what I actually want to do is sit there for 10 minutes and scroll my phone? Why is that wrong? Because Rachel Hollis told me to not do that? Well, fuck that. Sorry, fuck that. I can do whatever I want to do because I'm an adult and I don't have to mimic my life based on someone else's. So that's kind of where I'm at. I'm on a break. We are on a break and it kind of feels good. I mean, I hope she's okay. I don't, I, I don't wish bad upon anybody, but I do think she has a lot of work to do and that's her work. She can't, you know, deflect it onto anybody else. She can't blame it on anybody else. It's, it's her journey and it's mine too. And, and I don't know. I think that there's a lot of good that can come from this. Maybe not for her, but definitely for me and for the people who follow her. Like, I can guarantee there are thousands of women like me right now, you know, like, well, now what? Well, you figure it out. You don't have to be her. You have to figure out who you want to be. And I think there's some beauty in getting to know the actual true version of you that you want to be, not what somebody else wants you to be. And I think this is a, a really good way for me to start this new season of In Short Supply because I think right now I'm in short supply of loving myself. I am having a really hard time with a lot of things, but most of it is body image, which I'm definitely going to talk about in another episode, but I'm having a really hard time liking myself. And I think this Rachel Hollis stuff is kind of like the perfect time for me to get to know myself and learn to like myself. And she can't do that for me, nor should she. I need to do this on my own and I don't need anybody else in my ear telling me how to do it or what ways to do it or here are the steps to do it. I don't think it's linear. I think that it's going to be ups and downs and this is my work and I'm excited to take you guys on that journey because it's going to be a wild ride. But anyway, um, thank you for listening to this little bit of a rant. Um, thank you for your patience in waiting for an episode and your constant support. And I'm very curious to know how you feel about this situation. If you were a fan of hers, um, where do you stand now? And I don't think there's any wrong answer. I, I think it's okay if you still support her, if that feels right for you. I just think that personally, I don't want to follow someone blindly just because I used to value what they said. Um, I think now I need to be a little bit more aware of 
who I want in my corner and not to put people on pedestals and and you can have these mentors in your life but you you should actually want to believe them and right now I don't believe her and that's okay that's okay because it's my decision not anybody else's Oof. anyway I hope everybody's doing well I, I know that there's been so much going on with this pandemic and we have indoor, you know, mask mandate is lifted and that feels so crazy. And we've got a summer that hopefully we can look forward to, to it and, and I think it's going to be okay. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I went to ShopRite yesterday and definitely kept my mask on because I'm a little nervous. Fully vaccinated, but nervous. And I'm sure that people are feeling similar. Um, and I think right now I've been calling this the wait and see period as far as like comfort levels and that's okay. And I think the, this is the wait and see period, not only with like what's going on in the world, but also me personally, like, let's just wait and see what happens. Uh, and that feels right. But anyway, uh, I hope everybody is enjoying their day. Um, I'm really happy to be in front of this microphone again. Um, it's bringing me a lot of joy and I missed doing this so much. I don't think I realized how much I missed it until I wasn't doing until right now. And, and yeah, it's tough to, to get the momentum to sit here and record at times, but I have to remember this feeling because this is the best. So that's it for now. I will, uh, I'll talk to you guys soon. See you later. Thank you so much for listening to In Short Supply. If you like this podcast, be sure to subscribe and share. Intro and outro music by Kevin McLeod.